All right, we are back in 2022. We took some time what? off. Yes, we we're took, back. We, we took time off. We did. It's crazy. Yeah, because we didn't want to burn out. Mm. <laughs> okay, this is bad. Let's no, no. Let's start over. Let's take two. Take two. Take two. All right, we are back. Monsters of Design. It's 2022. We took a couple months off because we didn't want to burn ourselves out. We're learning. We're growing. We're Slowly. becoming more balanced human beings and designers. Uh, but yeah, we're here we are in the new year, and we are kicking it off with a really cool episode. We have Laura Polkas on the show. She's a creative director at Y Media Labs and has a really awesome background uh, in things like biophilic design. Uh, she loves Which the outdoors. Rad. She loves nature. Brian, what is what is biophilic design? We'll get into it, but you know we've learned a little bit. What was your take on it? Uh, biophilic design is the practice of um, taking natural things that exist outside, like trees and plants or rivers, things like that, and bringing them inside so, safely. Um, safely, safely you inside. Want water going everywhere. So, like a, a big classic example of biophilic design is singing an oak tree in um, mm-hmm. a lobby of a building, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but it can and also it can be, be as, as simple as just putting some plants yep. on your desk and making sure, you know, you bring it's some of that outside green. inside. So Laura has a huge passion for biophilic design. Uh, we talk with her about that because it's so freaking interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that teases up to slay the monster of today's episode, which is overtime. Overtime. Working too much. <laughs> so yeah, um we've all been there. We, you know, uh kind of digging a little deeper than we did, or maybe digging in a different way than we did it with burnout, where we really look at the effects and the consequences yeah. of overtime and what is this what does this do to us? What's yeah. at stake here? Mm-hmm. And what would it look like to dial some of that back? Yeah. Um, so we talk about the 40 hour work week and we talk about what does it look like to change that up a little bit? Yeah. Um, Challenging those conventions, I think, is whatever we end up on, whatever we continue to evolve into in terms of how we spend our time throughout the week as designers, I think feeling free to challenge those conventions to make sure that we're healthy and we're as creative and solution oriented and healthy as we can be is always a good thing. And so I think that that's kind of what we dig into in terms of that specificity around overtime as it relates to that sort of bigger burnout conversation. Fuck yeah. And yeah. I think uh, I think with that, let's hop into our conversation with Laura, learn about biophilic design and mm-hmm. slay overtime. Let's go. Here we go. It's like a recording room. Oh my god! I was like, I was like, oh, I have to switch over to Chrome. I was using Firefox. I'm like, wait, this is a nifty little little yeah. app thing. It's a great little experience. Hi, Laura. I'm Brian. Hi, Brian. It's so nice to meet you. you I'm as really well. excited. Welcome to uh, Sunday at 11 a.m. <laughs> I love it. We're catching each other on our our Sunday best here. Yes, my Brian. Sunday best <laughs> with my iced coffee. If you if you didn't know who Brian is, he's he works with Will and produces Wine in the Valley. So he's producing that oh, podcast yeah. with Will. 
do. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. So you, yeah, you're, I'm, you're I'm, in it. I'm like a third cousin. You know, like I come over on some like holidays and they're like, oh God, he's drunk again. Like yeah. he's probably going to do something interesting and insane. Yeah. I, I feel bad for Will because I always ask him insane, crazy shit. And so. I mean, we need that uncle in every family. That's yeah. what makes, that's what makes that, it interesting. That's what right? I am. I'm the crazy uncle. That's where, the, that's where all the good stories come from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was like, man, I got to do a podcast with this guy because it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> he was like, I just need you to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Brian's oh, like, yeah, full authentic self. So unhinged. Okay. <laughs> um, Are you sure you want that? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I definitely have to edit him sometimes, you know, <laughs> gets a little too crazy. Yeah. A little too too much off uh, sometimes. Uh, yeah. But that's kind of that's like seems like a cool part of the podcast thing that you're like, okay, we can just have a conversation and then mm-hmm. we'll just like take out the really embarrassing bad bits afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I mean at first though, let me tell you though, at first John was like, Brian, you can just say whatever. Just mm-hmm. we <laughs> want it all. And I'm yeah. like, Well, okay. So I'm gonna talk <laughs> about why fucking turtles remind me of dicks. <laughs> and so I go on like a whole thing about that, and John was like, "Hey, man, so you talked we about that? Turtles, like they're like it's not appropriate. It's you can't like we're gonna turtles edit that. Out. Yeah, mm-hmm. like we're gonna edit mm-hmm. that out. Now here I am, fucking doing it again. So anyway, <laughs> um, we'll leave that one in. Yeah, we'll leave that one. In. Oh God, yeah." Um, (laughs) you're making me like revisit my childhood again. I had a turtle as a pet and Mm -hmm. you know, it's makes me look at Ertl a little differently now, but (laughs) rest in peace. May he be just, yeah, seriously. I, I like it's, I like the idea of turtles, but maybe not in practice so much, you know? (laughs) So, um, so Laura, how is, uh, how is how is your life recently? It's been kind of insane for everybody. Mm-hmm. That it has been. That it has been. Um, it's been really nice. I actually just got back uh, yesterday or last night from New Mexico, which is where I was for the week. Nice. Um, so I I finally flexed the the work remote possibilities. I was like, wait, I don't actually have to nice. like stay. I don't have to like be in this house all of the time. I can yeah. actually go somewhere else and work. Yeah. Um, and the Portland Gray was just kind of. It was getting getting into my head a little bit, so um, I escaped to some sunshine and I went to New Mexico for a week, and it was just great. It was just me. I was like in the middle of the country with the coyotes for a week, and awesome. how was the night? How was like the New Mexico nights? Well, okay, so it was a full moon, um, <laughs> oh, and cool. so it was like super bright, and oh. there was a couple. I was staying in an Airbnb that had a little. Um, like porch with hammocks outside. So I was, uh, would just go outside with like a blanket at night and mm-hmm. sit outside in the dark, which I don't do very often, but when you're alone in the desert, you kind of, you have to, cause yeah. there's, you can hear so far away. So it was like coyotes and owls and uh, somebody, playing, somebody playing a flute off in the distance. Like it was what? so cool. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Were you able to see stars or was it? Uh, oh yeah. Oh, all of them. oh, that's all of them. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Have either of you have been to, to New Mexico? 
I drove yeah, through. Sedona is in Arizona. New Mexico? No, Arizona, right? Okay. <laughs> so I've been, th- yeah, I couldn't remember. Uh, but Not I made my way through Sedona the and then like Lake Powell and that part yeah. of the, oh, nice. the south. But yeah, I, I think like Albuquerque once, but yeah. Okay. It. Yeah. it definitely it deserves its its own time. Cool. Uh, okay. Not not in combination with another trip. I mean, maybe if you're doing like a whole, I don't know, summer of exploration, perhaps. But mm-hmm. there is just enough in that little area, yeah, yeah. that little corner of the country, that it's it's very well deserving of its own own time. Totally. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I want to go to uh, what is it? White Sands. Yeah. Is that with a question. Um, yeah, and just experience that. I want to. For me, um, desert. I I was born in the desert. I was born in. Oh, you um, in uh, inland empire. Can you explain River? that sounds like it was like I know extremely I was, primal. I know. I was like, I was born. Where were you born? in the desert. Uh, well, because now I'm gonna say where I'm gonna. I was born, and I just want to preface this by saying the town I was born. It's like if. You know those nuclear testing videos of mm-hmm. abandoned suburban areas with like mannequins in the houses. Mm-hmm. It was like one of those towns. Um, <laughs> is a uh, Hemet, California. It's all making sense. It's all making yep. sense. Anyways, I you know the de- during the day it can be hard, but at night I really like deserts. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. deserts mm-hmm. in the evening are are lovely. Yeah. What's your what like when you think of it? What do you think of like what do you feel what do you think about that oh that's such a good question uh (laughs) the stars i I think of uh nighttime um i love uh the cooler air i love it Mm -hmm. like at night it's 70 it's just um i mean that's cooler for (laughs) me cooler but um (laughs) uh yeah i just really like it it's um very relaxing yeah Yeah, i love there's something about the expanse that there's no it's so big around you that there's no other place mm-hmm. to go but in like yeah. I, interesting you, you think about different things when you're there you feel different things when you're there and I, cool. I attribute that to like the the vastness of it that it just makes mm-hmm. you feel so small in the the space that you're in but yeah you know you gotta you need to be reminded sometime of that your your place in the universe totally i think that's how i feel living on the coast like being mm-hmm. able to stare out at the ocean gives Ooh, me yeah. that too i totally mm-hmm. relate with that Mm-hmm. And I need to go to the desert though. I can't remember the last time I like immersed myself yeah. in that landscape. When, yeah, Todd, are you are you like a water baby? <laughs> yeah, I am. But I I don't. I used to surf when I was like a kid. Grew up, growing up near Santa Cruz, um, mm-hmm. but I, I was more of like the skateboarder, like concrete jungle kid. Uh, You're a cool kid. But I, cool kid. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, I love the water. I love like I, my wife and I want to go to. Hawaii, like, I don't even say retire in Hawaii anymore because we're like, how can we get there soon? And just like, that's where we live and work. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, you might I not make that. it that long, so why not do it now? I, it that's is. what we're thinking. We haven't bought a house yet, so we're kind of like, when we're ready, why buy something here if we know we want to end up there? Like, I don't want it to be like a retirement thing. I want to be like, let's just go. Let's figure yeah. it out. It's, you know, it's, oh, it costs as much as California. So, <laughs> yeah. Love it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, well, how uh, uh, I think we, I was telling Brian a little bit about you, creative okay. director at YML. Um, and then Brian, I don't think I mentioned it, but Laura and I met uh, working on 
uh, project for California Pizza Kitchen, um, doing oh, awesome. all of their like menu stuff, all the food menu pho- photography. And yeah. Laura came in and was like, I like what you're doing. Here's how we can make it gorgeous. So she like really kind of helped steer the ship and it was awesome. Such a cool experience and so fun to work with. But that was my intro to working with Laura, maybe like a year and a half, something like that. Yeah. I remember uh, that project. Half, so. That was awesome. Yeah. 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 The foundation, there was a very good foundation laid already, though. I really was picking up where you and August already, already dusted <laughs> teamwork. your dust it's everywhere. Teamwork. <laughs> but yeah, it was, that was, that was super fun. fun. That was a fun first project. Yeah, yeah. A lot of good people on set getting to eat a lot of California Pizza Kitchen for like five yeah. days straight. <laughs> oh, man. That was such a treat. Dude, yeah, so fun. <laughs> you would have had to have like rolled me out just... All right, get the wheelbarrow. I know, pretty much me too. <laughs> I would have just like asked for a trough of spinach artichoke dip mm-hmm. and just like right. gone gone at it. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, I want the butter cake. That was that was the one. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm like, what is this butter cake? And then I took a bite. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the executive <laughs> chef was there like at like on set every day. Like it's like yeah. he is the guy. Dude. And like it made up a lot of the recipes too. And he would, we'd take pictures of stuff. And so they would like bring stuff out and you can kind of eat it. But there's times like the butter cake where he's like, let me make you one. So it's fresh. <laughs> and like he goes back and it's like perfect, like just ready to go. And we're like, oh my God, so good. Oh, <laughs> like dude. the best experience. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So, so John, so John was telling me, um, you know, creative director at YML, um, this uh, digital agency that we're all tethered to. Um, <laughs> and the other thing that he mentioned uh, that I am super excited about, and I want to ask you some questions, and it will get us to our um, overarching monster today, which is overtime. Mm-hmm. Um but before we get there, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was biophilic design. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. So for what people who Ryan are, got very excited yeah, so when he saw that. I got very I instantly gravitated towards it. So for people so who don't know, who wouldn't know what it is, can you explain what biophilic design is? Yes. So biophilic design roughly translates to to love of place love of place and love of space and it is working with the elements um outside to bring aspects of them inside so you know there isn't the separation between indoors and outdoors but you can blur the lines a little bit in order mm-hmm. to tell your brain in certain ways um that it can be it can be more at ease in the place that you are, um, where there doesn't have to be this escape that happens. That if we just bring them a little closer together, then yeah, um, yeah then you can you can enjoy the great indoors. Is what I like to what I like to call <laughs> <That's it. awesome. laughs> But as you can see, even from my my wallpaper, I have a, a wallpapered wall for I know this will be audio, but for for the listening audience, um, there's a like patterned. All I have like ferns and 
um, plants patterned on the wall behind me, but that's a really great example for me. I also love, I love the forest so much forest mm-hmm. moss, it's, you know, plants on plants on plants. One of the reasons mm-hmm. why I love Portland so much, but, and just the Pacific Northwest, but you know, things like that, like bringing it in so that I can be reminded that, um, you know, like there's, there's things about that, that I love and that make me feel really calm. So when I can bring that inside, then I don't need to leave the house and go somewhere to enjoy it. I can just be in it and feel the benefits of that in the space that I'm already in. Yeah. 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 It, um, yeah. So like, uh, I, I've seen, you know, big pictures of giant, um, you know, workspaces with like a tree, Yes. In it, um, like grown plants in uh, in an office area, um, streams in a lobby or something, or <laughs> those kinds of elements. It's just, and you see them, and it's just like so arresting. Yeah, um, it really is. Yeah, it's 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 something I really wish. Um, we prioritized more honestly as just designing things um yeah because our our brains are not meant to thrive indoors all the time you need both mm -hmm. and i think especially in the last now two years i've been saying one year but i'm like no it's two years of the pandemic where Mm -hmm. we have had to be inside a lot more it was so very unsurprising that uh, people were drawn outdoors. They wanted to be in the parks more. They moved from cities to places that had a little bit of that closer access to nature. Because I think when that is one of the things that's taken from you, it's you can feel it in your body, the lack of, Mm -hmm. of, you know, I just need to be outside. I just want to smell fresh air. I just want to see the horizon. You know, John, you were mentioning being by the water and just the the feelings that that brings to you. And it's, I mean, that's the stuff that I'm really interested in. And there was a presentation that I had done uh, last year around this. And there's an incredible amount of research that's being done for um, just all of the benefits for things like depression and anxiety, but mm. also in healthcare, mm. how hospitals are now being designed with these principles in mind, because the, the rooms that will have windows with a a view outside as opposed to a completely windowless fluorescent lit room which we can all agree sounds awful Mm -hmm. so awful that um the rates in which people were staying in the rooms was shorter so they could actually see that people were healing getting better Mm. faster when the like the the space is designed to be a part of the outside environment not separate from it so that's the kind of stuff too where i'm like whoa this actually has really big impacts. Um, Sandy Hook Elementary, for example, when they rebuilt it after the shooting was all built on biophilic principles because it was a community that had gone through clearly such Mm -hmm. a traumatic event that um, they wanted to build something that was new and different from what was there, but also to help a whole community of people heal and be calm and at ease in their space. And so you know, it's, it's wonderful. You know, I can go and buy a plant at the nursery and it's great. That makes me feel good, but there is a much deeper, um, like neuro connection to that of our connection to space and why, Mm -hmm. why we need the things around us that we do. Mm, Totally. I could literally talk for hours about this (laughs) and I I have so many other questions, but so John, you should, I feel like Laura, you should make your own 
podcast God. called The Great Indoors. And just don't. I mean, don't tease me on that. There's some. There's some ideas brewing from my time in New Mexico. That I'm like, should I should I do this finally? <laughs> I mean, do it. or a book or something. Yeah. yeah, it was. I love I that ta- phrase. I before we hopped on this, I was talking to John and about biophilic um, design, and then this idea, and not just in fiction, but I think it's being thought through um, to be implemented today. But solar punk, um, which is this idea, did, Laura, do you know what solar punk is, John? I explained I it. Okay, yeah, so. So it's it's um, it's a way to think about futurism, but instead, and like future city building, but instead of like the the uh, neon drenched Blade Runner esque flying car type thing, it is a way to prioritize biophilic design um, in these giant futuristic cityscapes. So it's you have giant plants growing on the outside of buildings just like cascading down the walls. You have solar panels everywhere. Um, You have trees in the building, um, just naturally growing within the structure. And it's just this way to marry futurism and nature um, in a way that is, you look at it and it's soothing. (laughs) It presents like a very nice um, grounding image of the future. Um, <laughs> Are you familiar at all with Paolo Soleri's work? No. Have you heard of him? Okay. Tell us. So allow me to just, just again, <laughs> I'm just going to open up the biggest can of worms ever. Do it. <laughs> um, so he is a uh, a visionary, was a visionary. Have you heard of Arco Santi? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's right outside Sedona. Um, but it is this community in the middle of the desert that um, was designed for that. It's designed to like be of the space that it's in. But his his idea, he has all of these like notebooks and writings that he's done on, on this exact thing that you just described of how we can build communities from 250 people all the way up to millions of people, how this can scale to... Yeah be at ease in the environment that it's in and his um he had one in particular that was really interesting called the arterial city like an artery Uh, so as opposed to you know when you think about a city like san francisco or new york where it's kind of like concentric circles there's a a a heart and then things kind of you know go Mm. from from their center outward and then the people who have the views of nature are just on the periphery of that but in a like a an arterial city where it's built as like a long skinny vein that would actually go through the environment, then everyone has a view of that. Everyone can look out and see the uh, nature. But it, it goes like more in the line of you know when you think about how blood might move through a body. Yeah. Um, but his yeah, Paolo Soleri is his name. I think you would really enjoy reading some of his philosophies because that sounds out exactly like what you were describing, Brian. Yeah. No, I'm. Um, yeah, I, I had no, I didn't even think about that with the Arco Santi because um, I, had, I had a friend in Arizona. She like stayed there, I believe. It was like a thing oh, on Instagram. Cool. And ever since then, I was like, what is that? <laughs> it's, a, it's a wild place. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so now is biophilic <laughs> design like we're talking about your role as a creative director at YML? 
like do you get to incorporate biophilic design is this a a passion that exists outside of the work it is very much right now it is more outside mm-hmm. i try and incorporate it more into more just into more of my daily practice and how i structure my days how I've how I have organized my office here where I can I'm sitting here looking out a window into I'm on the second story so I can see eye level squirrels and crows when they start <laughs> playing out in the <laughs> the branches in front of me so I've oriented my space with that so I have to say by the nature of that it does affect my work but I wouldn't say it's something that I've brought into like the practices of the design that I do mm. with clients. Cause it's hard, it's hard to do in tech. Yeah. It's really hard to do. And, you know, there's certain things with composition about how, you know, when our brains kind of scan our eyes, scan um, interfaces where there's certain ways that you can organize things that would help things pop out a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I haven't gotten the chance. That's more on like a, a ground up project, but I haven't gotten the chance to do that yet. So in answer to your question, no, not right now, but I'm very curious about the ways to do that. Yeah. What, while Brian and I were kind of talking about this ahead of time and uh, kind of gushing over the, the biophilic stuff and how interesting that is and realizing, you know, obviously that probably comes from a place of what you're passionate about outside of work, um, just in life, you as a person, not as an employee. And mm-hmm. Laura, you and I talked about this a little bit you know, when it comes to the monster over time, um, even just like the idea of like, how much time should we give to that sort of day job? Uh, what's important and what can get lost uh, because of those hours adding up is who we want to be outside of work. And are we fostering that? And ultimately, we know that's going to make us better at our day job. So I'm curious, what t- what does overtime look like to you you know like we talked about a little bit like the 30-hour work week versus the 40-hour <laughs> versus what people think a six you know some people are like well 60 hours is like you know that's what you should work because that's what it means to like work hard and if you want to make good money like you need to put a lot of hours in or what are it's people just, saying that oh yeah i'm sure oh yeah I and mean, especially in tech you know and i know for me brian and i were talking about like for a little bit of context uh like I have a tendency to overwork myself. And I know that comes from like personal issues where I'm trying to like avoid life sometimes. I'm like, okay, I just want to like work. So for me going 40, I'm going to try do everything I can to not work more than 40 is my way of reining myself in. But you know, I've heard Dan on our last podcast, even like responded to something I posted on Twitter about 40 hours. And he was like, what about 30? And then you brought it up too. And I'm like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong by even thinking about that. Like, but I'm so curious now the thought behind that and like, do we have permission to want to work less so that we can foster that life outside of work? Like, what are your thoughts on this and how you reconcile that with the concept or the monster called? Overtime? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I really resonate with, with what you said around, you feel like you're doing something wrong. There mm-hmm. is, there's like a guilt that comes with, wanting to work less and to, you know, because you, you think about, there's all these, what I call just borrowed values of other people, of culture, of parents, like all these little messages that get in that kind of shape our belief on why we do the things that we do. And I was really interested to talk about this one in particular, because it is, it's like, okay, 40 hour work week, and then you get the weekends and, um, that's just what you do. 
-hmm. But why? Why is that what we do what we do? And, you know, we can't we can't have this conversation without understanding where that came from. And it really was a response to people being worked to actual death. You know, it was in like industrial revolution times, people working a hundred hours a week. And then Henry Ford was the one that came in and, and said, Hey, why don't, why don't we ease up on this? I mean, he had his own, his own motives for that, but, (laughs) um, you know, it's, it's tough to separate that where, you know, I think understanding that you are not your job, you're not your work. And I'm in specifically for this conversation where we're talking tech and design, that tends to be a very, um, how do I say it? It's, it's easy to get so immersed in it because that becomes your identity. And I think one of the things for, for me was realizing I'm so much more than just this. I'm so much more than my job. I have all these other interests that don't, some of them overlap most of them don't, but if I'm working all the time, I'm not becoming that person. And I hadn't, I hadn't defined who that was yet. And so when I had my, my reckoning of saying, I need to tone this down a little bit. My body was telling me that I needed to tone it down and, and take a step back and really make space for these other things. Then, you know, that that's when it was like, okay, I actually have now things that I want to do more than, than working. Um, and of course there's going to be times when you want to work overtime because you're in this creative flow and you get into it and and you want to, Mm -hmm. but I think it's when there is the expectation to, that that becomes really Hmm. dangerous for, for our creativity and for our bodies and for one another. So now as you're, you said there was a reckoning, um, what did your life outside of work look like at that point? And did you like land on your passion for biophilic design or are these other things? Oh yeah, it was, it was pretty prior to that. Um, my life outside at that point uh, was, it, it was literally just work. I was working for a small startup who, um, you know, served breakfast, lunch, and dinner, It like where the team becomes mm-hmm. your entire social life. And mm-hmm. we were doing really fun work. We all were really mission driven and wanted, again, there was that wanting to put in the time to be a part of something big, because this could be the next big thing. And, <laughs> you know, you get these messages that if you just put in enough time, you'll, you'll hit it. You're going to hit that lottery. You're going to make it. You're going to be on that next wave of what everyone's talking about. And that's really enticing that at that time in my life, that was really motivating and I wanted it so bad. Um, and so I just worked, I was at work all the time. I wasn't necessarily working, but I would spend my entire day there. And then afterwards we'd, you know, after dinner, which they would serve at 7 PM, by the way, which sounds so great when you're like, oh, three meals a day, but then they don't bring <laughs> until seven. You're expected to basically work up until yeah. seven and then hang out after that. And um, so my whole life just revolved around work in that that specific workplace. And I think the the other side of that coin is that when that work is no longer there, then your life falls apart. You know, I had I had invested so much. My it was my my social sphere. It was my um, you know, it was my means of living that when that goes away, then you are, you're just in a place of depletion. And mm-hmm. that had happened enough times to me that 
um, I realized that like I needed to be building communities and support systems outside of just work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure we've all heard in, in every interview, especially in, in the Bay Area, but where, and if, if anyone, <laughs> If anyone is interviewing right now and hears this, I'm like, run. When they say, <laughs> you know, we're like, we're like family here. Yeah, it's like yeah. a big family. I hate it when I, <laughs> when I hear people say that. Because it just, you know, that means when I hear that, I think, oh, you, you, you want to just be everything here. Like there is no separation. There are no boundaries and you need to have them as a, as a creative as a worker, yeah. like you have to have those boundaries. I like to relate it to uh, forming a band because then it's like there is that tight knit. Like, yeah, we're gonna like like have this creative closeness. But I've been in enough bands to know like you need to practice is like two three hours and then you're out and then you're doing your own thing. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's that's a good way to like keep it like in that sort of tight knit. Uh, uh, realm, but avoid the family conversation. And <laughs> yeah. totally agree on that. It's <laughs> and it's such a cultural institution, an institution in the Bay Area. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think people desire community and desire belonging, and a lot of employers are like, "Great, we can give you that and a fat paycheck." If you come and help us solve problems, mm-hmm. we have everything you need. We have a volleyball thing. We have a gym. <laughs> we even have, listen, we're going to have bands play on Friday night. Just stick totally. here, stick around Friday Stay. night. Don't leave. You can actually MC, spend the night. MC Hammer yeah. live every Friday. <laughs> yeah. It's like you don't need to go. And mm-hmm. and it's this process of your workplace totally assimilating you. Yeah. Like the Borg in Star Trek. Sorry. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so like what? So, okay. So um, you had this reckoning. So then what did you, what did you, how do I want to ask this? Let me, I, I also, um, I want to clarify the reckoning. I don't want to gloss over that because it was actually a really significant point in my life that, mm-hmm. that helped me to, start to notice when when overtime was happening and like mm-hmm. how how to reconcile that mm-hmm. um so do you mind if i oh, if please. i yeah, please first? Yes. okay go for it so this was it was in it was 2013 and after this this job that i was just telling you about where we just were working all of the time they had a a restructuring they were pivoting they whatever basically meant that half the the company got cut and my department design was one of them usually design and marketing that's always the first to go and then they keep the engineers um no fault to 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 them at all but um i so i'd had a couple strings of employment like that where you know i invest everything i'm working super hard something happens and there's like there is these group layoffs that would happen so Um, it was a bummer. I got knocked on. I felt like I got knocked back so many times and my mind was just saying, just keep going, just find the next one, jump in the same way that you did. And one of these times it's going to work out. Um, so there, I think it was a, it must've been like midweek, but anyways, there was this, this group layoff that happened. All of, you know, my friends that had also been laid off, we thought, you know what, let's just go to ocean beach. We're going to spend the day 
playing on the beach, just trying to relax and have a good time. Um, and so we, we went and we hung out for a bit. Um, I went, we went to dinner and then I went home and that night in the middle of the night, I woke up, it, I was, I was by myself and I woke up and I just didn't feel good. And I, I didn't know why we'd only had a, you know, a couple drinks that day. It wasn't anything crazy. Mm. I woke up in the middle of the night and I just felt awful. And so I, I crawled to the bathroom cause I didn't <laughs> just didn't know oh. what, what was going to happen. Yeah. But, um, and I, I didn't still to this day, but I, I woke up later and couldn't walk. My back was really messed up and I, and I didn't know what happened. So again, I just like crawled back to bed and I woke up in the morning. I had to move my car for street cleaning. I was living on uh, Lincoln at the time and I was moving my car for street cleaning and I couldn't walk. So I had to call my roommate and say, look, I don't know what happened last night. Um, I can't walk. Can you go move my car? She's like, yeah, no problem. And so she, she comes in to get my keys and she sees my face and she goes, holy shit, what happened to your eyes? And I hadn't even looked in the mirror yet, but I, I went to the bathroom and all of the blood vessels on the corner of my eyes had burst. Oh my God. So, and, and wow. I was like, well, I guess, you know, I, I was doing some cartwheels on the beach yesterday. Maybe that's how I messed up my back. Um, I had also like the inside of my mouth was all raw. And I thought, oh, well, I had some hot dumplings at dinner. Like uh, my my body, what it basically what yeah. had happened is I had, I passed out and I had a seizure. So gotcha. my, my body went into reset mode, but my brain had not caught up yet. And I was just rationalizing all of it. Like, right. Oh, it's because of this. It's because of cartwheels. It's because, you know, hot dumplings. And, and it took, <laughs> it, took one, it, yeah, it took one of my <laughs> friends. They were very good dumplings, by the way. It took my friend just looking at me square in the eyes and saying, Laura, you have to go to the hospital. Like you have to, something happened. You need to go get this checked out. And it, there was just this complete separation of mind and body where it, my brain was just rationalizing all of it. But my body, I'm sure, had been giving the signals long before that happened that I just kept ignoring of this overwork and overtime and just keep going, just keep going, just keep going yeah. until it was, I ignored all of them. And it was just this hard reset that, really it, it caused, I mean, everything that happened after that, cause I got my license taken away. If you, if you go to, um, California is one of the States where if you go to the doctor and they, they diagnose and say, yes, you had a seizure, they by law have to report wow. that to the DMV. So I lost my license. I couldn't drive for six months. And, you know, I didn't, I was then now newly unemployed with oh all of these God. medical bills. So it's, it was just such like a crazy time for me to just stop, just yeah. stop. I left the city. I went to, I was super reckless that summer. I went to Central America and traveled with this guy that I <laughs> had just met. My parents were like, what is she doing? Yeah. But, you know, I just, I needed, I needed to just stop and slow and just concentrate on getting my body re-regulated because I had just been working. So it, it was too much. It was way too much. And I think that's one of the really important things to remember with this, with overtime is that our bodies are so smart and they will tell us they, it was mm -hmm. telling me I was ignoring it and like that. So when I say reckoning, that's, it was, it was just a crazy time. It was like this whole life event that let me know 
I need, I got to take care of my body first. And there's going to be signals that come up that, you know, will help me to calm and re-regulate myself. But, um, that was, that was the big reckoning where it was just a life reset. Wow. That is, that is, um, that does tie into a little bit of what John and I were kind of talking about beforehand in terms of identifying some direct consequences of working too much, of giving your life too much to your employer. Um, Your body was hurt. Your body and your mind got wounded. Um, Really sorry to hear that. That is, I know it, 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 it it sounds like um, positive realizations emerged from that. And yet there was still suffering that was, that had to be traversed. Right. So that's just, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, It's, yeah. John, what does your relationship look like a little bit with overtime? Yeah, because I, I went through that same sort of shift. <clears throat> I was, I my like career is like a lot of bouncing back and, you know, a lot, but like a good like four or five times back and forth from like freelance to in-house, like started freelance right out of high school and just kind of like went back and forth throughout my career. And what that means is there's a lot of overlap. So when I take an in-house job, I'd either be finishing out work or I would just be like, no, I'm going to do both. And I've had that experience. Fortunately, YML has been like the first, and I feel like I always like, like YML, but for reals. And I think it more has to do with like personal growth. That's the first time where I've been able to just like, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to try really hard to, like I said, like even at work, not push past that 40 hour mark as much as I can help it and, you know, flex when I'm excited. But in the past, I had an experience where uh, I was very much like working a lot of overtime, so probably 50, 60 hours at the day job, then running freelance jobs on top of it, like big productions where I would like shoot it on the weekend but at night i'd be like producing and like directing and and i can attest to this i was was on on some shoots i helped coordinate some of those shoots and not only and john you're infamous for this not only (laughs) would you spend all day directing you would then spend all night putting together an edit yeah Yeah. so you would i was just like obsessed with it it was crazy and i and i i think there was part of it that i you know i really did enjoy but i was I didn't realize that I was like not dealing with life in all the ways until I, I had a breaking point. And Brian and I were talking about earlier, and I've, I've been hesitant to bring this up in our podcast, but I feel like this is a really important one, but I, I was like suicidal for a point. And I don't, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but it's been like in the back of my head because I'm like, people are too afraid to talk about this because of the stigma. But like, mm-hmm. like there's been some current events that Brian and I were talking about where we've seen this happen you know, with, with people that we know, and it should be talked about, especially within something like overtime, where I know for me, like it did put me in that place years mm-hmm. ago and I'm doing great now because I got help and I worked through it. But like, we got to take this stuff seriously because it can wreck your body, but it can honestly make thing, you, you very destructive. And I think it's, it's that important to discuss for those reasons. Um, so without going into it too much, like I've had a similar situation where like, I like, I don't want to live, you know? And that's like crazy to, to think that like, I let work be the thing that pushed me over the edge while there are underlying things, work can become that thing that pushes you over the edge. And I think solving things like this can help mitigate that stuff. And it gives you space to 
like you said, become who you want to be outside of work. And I think that's going to help get you to a place where you're healthy and you see work as something that you can draw a circle around. So it's not like drawing a circle around you. You know what I mean? Like it's not like this void that you're getting sucked into. And I think like what one thing I was curious about too, like, you know, it's easy to think about overtime as like, oh, it's the extra time you put in after you put normal time in, whatever normal time is. But I wonder, you know, is it that black and white? Like, is it is it more fluid, you know, in terms of like, you know, your your daily work schedule? And so I'm curious how you approach that, not just from like eight hours a day. Is overtime like I can mentally put two hours in today and then anything after that overtime? Like, what does your work schedule look like? And have you run into that sort of way of managing overtime <laughs> in mm-hmm. a sense? Well, first, I'm, I want to put a pin in that because I, I don't want to gloss over yeah, yeah. sharing something really significant like that. Um, first, thank you for, yeah, for sharing yeah. that. Um, and also, like, the, it's just so that's so real. And mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. It's something that has to be talked about more when you get to that point. Yeah. Cause I'm sure again, there were probably signals along the way that were just so easy to ignore. So easy yeah. to push down and just escape from. And, yeah. um, Brian for you, cause so, so we have like the pair of you two were working together. Was there yeah. anything friend that you saw in John where you could see that happening? You know where you could see like the signals getting ignored, or did you did you ever say anything at some point? Because I know for for me it was it was my friend saying something that actually was my light bulb that went on because I would have just kept mm-hmm. going until they had kind of you know smacked me upside the head a little bit and said, "Hey, yeah. you need to take care of yourself." Like, was there? Yeah, what was your experience of that? No, that's a great question. Um, it's it was honestly in John, you know working with you for years on set it was um the knowledge and doing the math in my head of like okay we were just on set <laughs> 10 hours okay first of all you wait okay you you had a full week of work okay boom it's now saturday we were on set for 10 hours i went home i was exhausted you went home and worked another six or seven hours going to bed at like three or four in the morning and then sending out to the team, you know, a V1 of the edit of this thing we were just working on. Like, oh, look. Yeah. And you talk to him and John, your passion is one of my favorite things about you. It's nothing but you being stoked. You're like, oh, I just, I had to do yeah. it. I was so excited. I just wanted to do this thing. Da, 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 yeah. And, you know, I'm doing the math. I'm like, John, I don't yeah. I don't. It's not adding did up. You, did yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can a person totally. do that much? Like, and we glor. We I feel like we glorify that too as like a culture so much to where like oh, yeah. I definitely felt like I was like sure it was fun to be creative, but I I also think I was trying to find a, a sense of like self worth. You know, like mm-hmm. oh yeah, like people know like I've I've had that nickname like your machine or something in the past. I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> like, oh, it's wow. not good. But I did have like a, and I'm, I don't want to talk about me too much, but to like relate to that story of like someone calling out, it was actually a CMO at a company that I was reporting to. Mm. And he actually said, I'm worried about you. And it, it, I think that's when within a month of that time was when I, things just came to a head. And I like had to do like a leave of absence for a month. And I ended up quitting a job. 
and then just doing freelance, which was fortunate enough to just be able to do that for a while. And then actually years later came came to YML, but it took someone saying professionally, yes, I'm worried about you. And I'm so grateful for that. Like what a good boss to like recognize that and to just say that. And he said other people had been expressing that to him too. And so, um, yeah, it took someone taking notice. Oh, sure. like thank you, you to that yeah. CMO too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's those little, those thoughtful little messengers that yeah. um, are are so important. And I think that's also a really great lesson for anyone listening to this to notice yeah. that in yourself, and also notice, call it out when you see it too. Mm-hmm. When you when yeah. you have seen somebody, are seeing somebody go through that. Even, I mean, yeah. I, I hate the question of like, is everything okay? Because <laughs> when you ask that, of course, of course they're going to say, yeah, no, I got yeah, it. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine. And that's the other part of it is that you don't let on. You don't. That's a weakness yeah. to let on that yeah. you are not or that you do need help in some way. And yeah. that's something that I always try and really reassure with anyone that I work with and you know people that I manage now is I need you to speak up. I, yeah. I want to be a safe space for you and I need you to speak up. If you need help, if you feel like this is too much, like please ask mm-hmm. because we can always, we can always, oh, yeah. we can always work with that. Yeah. Um, and it's okay. It, it's, it, I have learned since then that it is a strength to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, when my friend had pointed that out, you know, that I, I grew up in the Midwest and so there's also like a, a, a work hard culture there, you know, totally. you just, yeah pull up your boots and you do what you need to do to get it done. Um, And, you know, I think that was a part of it too, is that you, you do, you just have to be on the surface, make it look like you've got it all together because I was, Mm -hmm. I learned that that was admirable that, wow, look at, look at her. She's doing this and this and this, and you'd never know. (laughs) She just looks like she's got it all together. And that it's like, well, why do we care about the perception of that? And, you know, when I hear people, talking about there's like this martyr thing that happens too of oh well I was in a call until this time and then I had another call that went this many hours and it's yeah. again Brian like you said you start to do the math it's like are you sleeping are you all right <laughs> and it's like you know that no one is getting an award here for so for how much you work no there <laughs> yep. and there is that and this is something I have been I have to be so conscious about these days there is the the award is feeling that pride for advertising Mm -hmm. how busy you are totally oh yeah i worked so many hours i worked so oh man i've (laughs) just been so busy and just prior uh, sorry just just conveying to people how busy you are with that pride for me i just felt so good being like oh yeah i worked you know 70 hours da 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 and and I look back on that and I go, that's fucking insane because mm-hmm. your life at a certain point was no longer your own. It was hijacked mm-hmm. by yeah. somebody else after a certain point. It's no longer an equitable exchange of here's a service, pay me for the thing. It's, right. it's oh, your life is yeah. ours. Um, and... It's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, for me, one of the, the, the things I still have to struggle with is the pride. And one of the things I, it's harder because I'm working so much from home, but seeing those signs in other people when they start 
mm-hmm. talking about how proudly busy they are. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. a good opportunity to be like, hey, so like, what is... <laughs> Talk to me about this. <laughs> yeah, for I sure. No, that's, that. I think that's really interesting. Like, if anything, you know, this conversation, like, things to pull out of this conversation, people listening, like, what are some of those signs that we can kind of keep each other in check? Because it's, it's not just like a thing that you're, like, you, it sounds like we're, we all are relying on the community to help ourselves not get stuck in that. So, like, what are those things we can look out for with ourselves, but also with the people that we work with or just friends, family, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, how mm-hmm. can, what are some of those signs, you know, in addition to, like, oh, I'm just, I've been working so hard and finding hearing that pride that can come with some of that, you know, is there anything else like that? Um, I mean, I, I think it's in a very like tangible way of the, of the ways that you spend your time outside of work. What is the progress there? If it's a hobby, Mm. if it's Mm -hmm. other relationships that you're trying to, to nurture and grow, I try and and Mm. really look at things like that to have Mm. ways to mark that progress. And, um, you know, it's, it's when, when all of the time is thrown to work, then that's what will progress, you hope, but then it, it comes at a really big cost, mm. right? Um, and so for me, having, having some way to track that and say, um, okay, cool, last year at this time, I couldn't do this move. I, I'm, I'm, the hobby that I spend the most time on right now is pole dancing. It's brought me. <laughs> yes, that's but, really hard. It's incredibly <laughs> hard, Brian. It is so hard, but it is the most fun. And awesome. it, has, it has been such a great channel for, for me and my creativity, but also in terms of just something that you can immerse yourself in that's off screen mm-hmm. and that I can track the progress and know, okay, two weeks ago, I couldn't do that move, but now I can do it. I've put in enough time and in, in training and effort and conditioning that now this thing is possible. I unlocked that move. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> So for, that's one thing for me that um, has really helped is having something that can be tracked. Maybe you maybe you do puzzles, maybe you do mm-hmm. model airplanes, but something that you can look something. at and see mm-hmm. that it's yeah. different. Um, even if that is just yourself, you're like, I'm going to go for a walk in nature mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm going to journal, but I've journaled three more times per week that, than this time yeah. last year. That's such a good piece of feedback. That is such a good, because it's like, if you're if you work out well if you realize if you see that you're no longer working out you're going weeks <laughs> without working out well what does that tell you or if you know reading if you're not really reading, right um or seeing friends listen to what your friends are saying if they're yeah. like yo i haven't fucking seen you in a month what's up with that don't ignore yeah, them totally. be like oh shit yeah as as and some of it too, you know, is, um, and this kind of goes back to previous conversations we've had on this podcast, but it's saying yes a lot results in overtime. So that learning the ability to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find is uh, integral. Mm-hmm. Is that, how does that come for you? Is it an easy thing or a hard thing? <laughs> it's easier because I'm a contractor. So I can say no. If I'm sensing that my schedule is going to be dense, too dense, I will say no to a job. Um, That's genuinely how I manage it. Um, And the other thing is I really firmly communicate that, 
you can't reach me on the weekends. Um, yeah. Don't have that expectation. More time. Yeah, don't have that expectation. And if you do have that expectation, I don't think we'll be a great fit. Um, now, That's, yeah, that, I mean, that, even that is so, Yeah. I, I mean, I, it took me a very long time to learn that, that you can say no and that you don't need to make a case for it. You don't have to explain why. You don't have to mm-hmm. describe the boundary. You can just lay the boundary. But yeah. that is, I mean, that's huge, Brian. Thanks. Yeah, it's the, the only exception, the only exception is if I'm booking a, f- a film job and it's on the weekends because that will sometimes happen. Sometimes that's the only way you can book a space is it's available on the weekends, something like that. Then I will mm-hmm. make sure to take a Thursday or Friday or Monday. Like I will I will make sure that the time is taken off elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, and, it's, and it, I'm not going to get into it too much because I want to move things along. But like yourselves, I had a reckoning as well where I worked too much and I essentially broke my brain. And yeah. It it's like a muscle that I pulled. And I don't want to go back. It's a good way to ex- explain it, yeah. Yeah, it's just overuse and I pulled it. So mm-hmm. once, you, once you've gone past the red line, you know, okay, well, I never want to go there again. Yeah. And it becomes, yep. it becomes vital that you don't. So mm-hmm. it's like... And you know what sucks about going past the red line? I mean, there's a lot of things that suck, but I think one of the worst realizations was that it doesn't matter that you did all that because whatever job whatever employer it was they don't care that much you know, they don't. Like, you know where it's like like <laughs> you were we were discarded in mass and once we when i was thinking oh if i just put in enough time i i will be recognized for my right. hard work and my rigor and you know you want to make it's like you think you'll be spared from that but it's at, at what cost when you know we're all describing these crazy things that happen to our brains yeah. and our bodies and our lives that they didn't care they, yeah, yeah. they got what they needed and you know especially in in uh california you know where workers are at will they can just cut you like that and you totally. are you then become a stack of paperwork on yep. some major person's desk that's it mm-hmm. it's very dehumanizing it yeah. sure is <laughs> it is it um so so yeah, we're so we're talking about this process of just working too fucking much. You're you've crossed. <laughs> you're you're over forty hours. Um, yeah. f- now, as we're talking, you know, for some for some folks that looks like 50, 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's sixty hour weeks for twelve months, and it just is too fucking much, or six months, whatever. Doesn't matter what your limit is. What matters is the limits there. So we're looking at these, this 40 hours seems to be the number where we're like, this is a healthy amount of work. (laughs) And now recently there's been this movement to apply some pressure to that. That's saying, (laughs) Hey, maybe, maybe we can actually work even less. (laughs) Something I'm very excited about. Um, I, uh, my brain is not as caffeinated as it should, but there was, God, was it Finland, Norway? One of those idyllic, um, one of the ones that everyone's always talking about. Yeah. 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 Of course. Look at them over there. They're they're instituting a 35 hour work week. 
Um, I remember hearing something like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. You texted it to me, John. I should just look it up. Um, yeah. So, Laura, when we're talking about 40-hour work week, when we're talking about, hey, what if we brought that number down? Like, talk to us about what's going on with you and all of that. What are your thoughts here? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I don't... I don't want to get fired. I'm like, we should work two <laughs> days a week. No. Um, well, okay. So we, we can't, I feel like there's a little history lesson too of understanding where this 40 hour work week, where it even came from in the first place, why that was the mark. I, and I love yeah. pulling on these strings of saying, oh, yeah, okay, this well, is great. Why, why don't I just, why, why don't we figure out why that is? Um, right. And, you know, it was, it, it was in, I think it was the twenties or the thirties, whenever, you know, Henry Ford was, was doing the thing and people were getting worked over, like over, over, over time, hundreds of hours a week. And, um, you know, that he said, okay, cool. Well, how about we split this up into eight hour chunks? Um, I should be doing a better Henry Ford impression. I don't, I don't know. I, never, <laughs> I don't know what he sounds like. Maybe we can like lay some uh, like vaudeville piano over. Yeah. Wow, that Jim, I do so. Picturing my... like a scene from like Drunk History where they're like <laughs> acting out, but it's us talking right now. Exactly. But it's actors acting. <laughs> right? Because in my mind, when I think of like the 20s and 30s, vaudeville was just like playing on a loudspeaker everywhere that just yeah. like set the... the... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but it was, he, he said something, I'm, this is going to be horribly misquoted, but it was something about leisure, leisure time is this ingredient in a, a consumer market because people who work also need the free time mm -hmm. to go buy stuff, including <laughs> automobiles, to, you know, That's to hilarious. find, find uses for consumer products, including automobiles. So, you know, oh he, he knew Henry Ford, where it's like it, everyone always attributes him for that. I say, wow, that's so great. But there's 24 hours in a day. You split it up into eight hours. Then you can get three shifts of people, four shifts mm -hmm. of people working around the clock for you. So, yeah. you know, if that was in the 20s, technology was very different then than it is now. Why are we still working 40-hour work weeks when, our, when we look at all the advances that we've made? Yeah. We don't need to be but we have to because that's what we've always done and you know everything it always has to come down of course to the you know the bottom line of when things like this get teased out and you say okay we're just gonna cut our workforce by a day we are cutting our, our hours by 20 percent a week well yeah i mean we, we've already started experimenting with that at yml we have flex fridays but on on 2 p.m every friday if we are good with client work then we have and we've built our hours, we can bounce, which is nice. It's a very, it's a very nice like yeah. work. And when I was reading, I think I read that that same article, John, that, that you had shared about these places that are are experimenting with four day work weeks, and they have mm -hmm. not noticed a shift in productivity. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's also worth recognizing that this conversation applies to jobs, uh, you know, industries like this, this doesn't apply to healthcare, this doesn't apply to fast food or teachers, you know, there are people that still must participate in that it's it is a luxury to contemplate not yes. yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, for sure. So I, I yeah. definitely recognize that. But especially in tech, you know, why? Why 40? I want to sit every CEO down and just say, let's let's 
talk about this. Why 40 hours? Mm-hmm. And what what is the difference that you're getting from people who would put in a really solid 32, very focused 32 hours and then have three day weekends? Mm-hmm. You're so rested. You're so refreshed. You get time to to spend on the things that are important to you, whether that's family or friends or just yourself or, you know, as the Henry Ford was talking, the leisure time to go buy goods and services in your local community. <laughs> go there to Target. the impression. Yeah. <laughs> we, must have, we must make time for capitalism. Yeah. Um, so um. that's, I mean, that's ultimately what I think. I think we should be working less. Um, I also don't want to get fired. So if anybody in Warm is listening I, to this, still putting in my time, still putting in my time. I... Yeah, you know, it's um, one of the things that I've resonated with this in this conversation. And, and, I, and I don't mean this conversation in terms of just today. I mean the larger social conversation around uh, how, how many hours we put in a, uh, a week. Uh, how many hours of work we put in a week. Um, I've had to identify, okay, well, like, when are you productive? And then when are you not? When are you kind of just not being the best you can be? And it's required a lot of radical honesty on my end. Um, I've realized I am a morning person. I am super fucking on it. Um, In the morning, I really am. I get my lunch. Um, I have to be very careful. Like I've realized like I have to, can't eat too much because then you're going to get tired and then you're going to get tired and then you get the afternoon sleepies, right? Um, so, anyways, right? Like, we're not eating at all. That I'm horrible. Yeah. At, oh god. At myself during the day. I don't know why I can't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I have housemates sure. like that. Um, and so, anyways, <laughs> I've noticed this general trend of like people productive in the morning. Lunch happens. Then there's a few hours of productivity. It's slower, but it's there. Maybe there's a call. Or something like that. And then and then 3.30 hits. <laughs> and then 3.30 hits. And then mm-hmm. it gets a little worse at 4 p.m. At 4 p.m. you're just like... <sighs> the f- why am I here? <laughs> why, why'd you just send me an email at 4 p.m.? I'm not reading this till tomorrow. <laughs> like, it's just... You start getting... Mm-mm. And so I'm wondering... Like, would it just be fucking smarter and better to just at least cut out at that time and rest? Because I don't, I don't know. But then the thing yeah. is, then John Sontag over here is a laser beam. So, John, talk to us about your... Uh, well, no, I think, yeah, I, I resonate to... Uh, I grew up in California. My parents are from Milwaukee and... Uh, like Cincinnati area. So like back (laughs) out back East. And I feel like uh, it's like a lot of that's like in my DNA. My dad was electrician. My mom's a teacher and like kind of grew up like that, like humble household. They worked really hard. My mom works a lot. She's a writer as well. And so she like would teach and then write all night. And it was like really cool to see how like fulfilled she was from that. And I think I like, like watching my dad like work with his hands and like coming with cuts on them and like i just i i think it made me want to apply that kind of blue collar 
perspective to like design and video, especially with video being on set and like you know, somewhat physical. So I can resonate with that, and I and it makes me like I feel like I I like glorify the forty hour work week in some ways because of that, you know. But I also like you know, the older I get and the more I have reconciled with some of that stuff in the past, I, I'm like very interested in that conversation of why 40, but also is overtime, why do we call anything over 40 overtime? Um, is it like, can we even start talking about more of that, if we have the luxury, that flexible day, not just like one day that's flexible, but my overtime today might be after three hours. Whereas someday it's like, tw I'm good 12 hours because I'm just kind of flowing and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not working with my hands. Like I'm not physically feeling arrested, but I'm like, I, I can go. Like, is there room for that as part of the conversation too? You know? I need to stand, mm -hmm. sorry. I'm moving because I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> Listen to that body. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, it's, it's worth considering, again, like let's pull on these strings a little bit about productivity what that means, what, like how, how we define that for ourselves of what is quote unquote productive and what's not, because yeah. oftentimes a lot of the things that are really important don't get categorized as productive, which is, you know, maybe just having a free hour to write, think, daydream, yeah. you know, you have to be doing something in order for it to be productive. Otherwise mm. it's meaningless. Mm -hmm. And also this question about when is it, enough when do you know you have done enough and i remember in a a very important therapy session when i i was i was telling my therapist like you're questioning i just don't know if i'm doing enough how do i know if i'm like doing enough for for this cause or for you know for work and we dug into that a little bit and the way that i described what i knew is doing enough is that you know i i, I was uh tired i spent every resource that I could trying to figure out, throwing myself at whatever it was I was trying to accomplish or to do or to participate in. And, you know, that you use, you, you kind of deplete yourself and all the feelings that I had described, it was like turning over every stone possible and you just can't yeah. wait to sleep and you earn that vacation. That's how I know I, I'm mm -hmm. doing enough. And as I was describing it to her, I'm thinking, this sounds super unhealthy like that that doesn't that doesn't sound, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a person who yeah. is balanced and resourced you know and and, and so mm -hmm. i think it's important to also look at when you know we're talking about all this time that we spend on work and, and going over time you have to ask yourself that question when is it enough and does it have to be hard and yeah. difficult on yourself in order for it to feel like it's good enough suddenly that what if it wasn't what if it was actually easy it made your body feel really good you were getting enough sleep you had time in the day to go outside and get some fresh air all of these things that you know it makes it sound well it wouldn't that be nice yeah it would yeah. <laughs> so i think it's it's really important to just question that for yourself of define that when is it enough for you and God. take take a freaking break yeah <laughs> god can you imagine if at like 3.30, this isn't on like Friday or anything, but like 3.30 or 4, it's just a culture building thing where it's like, okay, team, everybody go for a walk. And that's how you wrap up your day. You can like talk, check in in person about things, but you have to walk, you have to be outside, you have to feel the sunshine. <laughs> You're not looking at your computer. 
And then that's like that how you. Nice. Just that's how you, it's like a nice, gentle yeah. <laughs> closing out the day. You're still kind of thinking about work, but there's also a casualness about it. That would be yeah, great. I, Mandated walks. At, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and one thing to like kind of, you know, as, as we're kind of getting to this portion of the episode, I, I, we're talking obviously from the perspective of like this design industry, which right now is very much remote. And even if it wasn't remote, there can can be more flexibility at times. And so we have that privilege. So obviously this isn't necessarily a podcast for like all careers and all industries, but I do think it's good to like acknowledge that. But also at the same time, like what that means is if we do have a little bit of that luxury to try to push this, to try to encourage our employers or ourselves to spend our times in a much more healthy way, then I think that the work that we're doing, whether it is more marketing or if it's more utility as like a digital tool, I think we're putting that into the work that we do. Mm -hmm. um, I know, especially working more in video, there's a lot more storytelling and I feel like that can come through and that sort of perspective on life. And I, I would hope that what we do could inspire another industry or another person just by the nature of what we're building and what we're doing. So mm -hmm. I think that's kind of interesting to think about too, of like, sure, we recognize, like you said, not everybody has the ability to do that, but at the same time, like we all have the ability to challenge the convention. And that's something that everyone has access to. We all have access to and should feel empowered to challenge it. Like you're like, I, hope, I don't want to get fired. Like obviously joking, but like, we should embrace the freedom to challenge that yes. convention in whatever career we're working, you know? And if we can get the ball rolling in some ways here in the design industry, then like hopefully that can just snowball. And I mean, yeah, everyone. I mean, real talk, real talk. I mean, we are saying this and Laura, you mentioned this earlier. It's a luxury. It's a privilege. We mm -hmm. get to say this because yeah, you know, the other, um, industry i just it's been playing in the back of my head this entire time we've been talking it's the video game industry um mm -hmm. i love video games it's part of my rest and it is one of the worst impacted industries yeah. in terms of labor um crunch oh i don't know much about it tom i'd love to learn more about that no, so i mean um <laughs> basically we're talking about the people who who make uh and design the video games that people play and um, the process from ideating to shipping it can last anywhere from three to six years. And the first couple of years are kind of more normal. Um, so a, a, a workflow we would all maybe be familiar with. Um, and then what happens is you need to hit a deadline and crunch gets instituted. And crunch is just, it's overtime. It's, it's, it bumps it from an eight hour. As long as it takes. As long as it takes. Eight hour to 10 to 10 hour. And it, and it's, and it's something that is um, encouraged and sometimes mandated. Um, nobody wants to be the person who goes home early. Nobody right. wants to be the person that goes home first. And so then you get to the deadline and you've been crunching for months and then they're like, great, we need to hit this other deadline. Let's keep going. Yeah. And it keeps going and it keeps going. And pretty soon it's 18 months, 24 months of crunch. 
and wow. people are completely destroyed. Like it yeah. totally um, destroys teams. It destroys people. And it's why there's a lot of activity in the video game industry right now around getting um, union unionizing essentially. So people yeah. can protect their time. Um, it like is the big... film industry in some yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no union. There's no, mm -hmm. there's nothing like there's unions in the film industry. Um, so people aren't being protected and, um, it is, it's a hugely devastating thing and it's relevant for even the Bay, even Silicon Valley, because there are some certain video game companies out there. Um, so yeah, it is absolutely a privilege that we can yeah. talk about it. It also doesn't mean that we shouldn't be talking about it and we shouldn't be pushing for it Yeah, because we mm -hmm. absolutely have to. Um, yeah. It's just and how, who is setting that precedent? You know, where right. where is that coming from <laughs> to begin with? It's like that it, it is specific to the gaming industry. Do you know? Uh, it's generally um, so you have these like big um, publishers like uh, Activision um, or EA and um, they have all these studios that work for them. And the studios make games that are then funneled into the publishers and the publishers publish the games. And the market, for them to hit basically all, you know, their financial goals, they need to be releasing certain games at certain times. And I think that's for them what they really want to be hitting is making sure that they make their sales. And... So the pressure is on these studios to create the product, right? Um, and and p get the product ready for publishing. Um, but I, I I think that's that's pretty much it. Is it's it's money. It's it's wanting to make money. It's. I mean, if we, yeah, we could take a little wisdom back from yeah. our, our man Henry Ford. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what if? Why doesn't that happen in shifts? Then you know yeah, why totally. not? Like okay, then you're on eight hours, and then. Brian's going to come in for the night shift and, and pick up where you left off. I mean, it's probably more specific. I don't, I, I know very little about the gaming industry yeah. other than the very high level uh, toxicity. <laughs> it tends yes. to yeah. seep yeah. out, but um, yeah, I mean, it probably, that it probably is not possible for that to happen of, you know, for it to be something that's more shift that it's one person that has to stay on that task for yeah. 15, 16 hours at a time. I mean, that's, that's insanity. And then you think about what, that's what you're putting into your work that's i believe not to get crazy woo but i believe that that does get transferred into what people get from then enjoying going, going and playing that game it absolutely yeah. does it's all in 100%. there <laughs> yeah it, it will yeah th th that's an off-road conversation but it it yeah it does scope creep happens people wander off you don't execute on the projects or the features that you want and mm -hmm all of a sudden you have a product that doesn't have the features that you pitched it would have. It wouldn't, didn't have some of the full experiences that you pitched it would have. Mm -hmm. And so it directly corresponds. The creative maybe isn't there because it's really yeah. fucking hard to create when you're an exhausted human being. Sorry, John, what were you going to say? No, no, I, I was just going to say, I totally, I totally agree. And I think, I think we're, we're, Maybe not so much now, and we're moving towards a positive place. But I feel like we're too afraid to like let go of that convention, 
but I really do believe and I'm definitely an optimist, but I think this is an area that we need more optimism in is that if we do change these, we can always, you know, figure it out and go back and forth. But I do think the work product will be better. Yeah. I think when you have happier, more motivated, healthy people, they get things done faster and the quality of the work is better. And I'd be so curious to see what, there are a lot of shitty games out there and it's a shame to know that the industry is like that and it produces a lot of like like respect to the people that are making it. I don't mean it that way, but I think that those products, that happens because of overworking and I would be curious to see what happened if we just like were real hard on it and like what kind of games would come out and it'd probably be amazing. It would be great. Um, and, so I mean, and just it's... across the board, any job, any work product, you know, I think, I think we'd be better for it. We just have to make the leap and like trust it a little bit, you know, um, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. I want to say one last thing and then I want to ask Laura a question. Yeah. And this, this applies <laughs> to all of us. Um, it's so fucking demoralizing when you spend months and months and months of overtime on a project and when it releases it's published whatever and it's not where you know it could be yeah and so all of a sudden all of those hours don't really feel worth it because you're like well fuck we released something that's subpar it's not mm -hmm. as good and that's yeah overtime absolutely i want to share Poisons, something that yeah. might please do please do I want to, that might might shift your perspective on that a little bit. At least I, I hope it does. But there is, I'm I'm like wildly inspired by things that have nothing to do with you know tech and design at all. But you know when you find those little bits of, of wisdom, that I I've shared this um, a few times before. I think you know in a YML Slack channel at some point. But they're in uh, traditional Navajo weaving. They intentionally will weave in an imperfection. So that, that might be one or two little threads that are a different color from the, the block that it's in. If there's a solid border around the outside of the weaving, there might be a little space where um, it's, it skips a, a line. Um, but they're called spirit lines. And the belief is that if you chase perfection in your work, your essence, your spirit is going to get trapped in that work and it will have no way to get wow. out of that piece and go into your next, <laughs> your next work, your next endeavor. And so that if you are chasing that perfection, your soul will actually get trapped and that's have no amazing. So that's wise. Yeah. I love that. Thank so Thank you much. for saying that. It's, it's so beautiful. Cause I mean, that is of so course, beautiful. It always be better. We, you, you look back at your yep. work and you're like, Oh man, if I could have only have just pushed that a little bit further, or if I had only done this thing, or if I had only pressured the the team to make the decision to guide them to the, like you can you can go off on that forever. There is no end yeah, to how it could have been different. But those are the spirit lines. You gotta uh, you gotta let your spirit go to the next. Just let it be what it is and move on to the next thing. It's cool. so true. It's, it also reminds me of uh, Kintsugi. Which is that the, the uh, yes. you know the Japanese method of uh, you know you have a bowl you make this is for pottery so you have a bowl and then it gets cracked you repair it with gold. Yep, it's and a so mixture of of gold dust and um, epoxy. 
and you oh, mix it together. And, and so it's believed that when you, yeah, when you bring more attention, you draw more attention to the imperfection that actually is what mm -hmm. makes it more beautiful. It's yeah, cool. the same, oh, same yes. line of thinking. You just draw yeah. more attention to it, which, you know, is, is extremely difficult to do, but it is, I think we can draw inspiration from those things. Like why would our yeah. work differ any, any from their craft? Those are the types of things that, you know, outside that we could, I, I'm really interested in bringing more of that in because it is when we chase this perfection that it just one more hour, two more hours, three more hours mm -hmm. on this thing, it all yeah. kind of starts piling up. And sure enough, your, your essence, your spirit, your soul, whatever you believe that to be, your creativity is trapped in it and it has nowhere to go and you yeah. will destroy your body <laughs> trying to get it out. Totally. That's such yeah. a helpful way of looking at it. It's yeah. a very helpful way of looking at it. So just think of those as your spirit yeah. lines, Brian. I will. Thank you. Thank you for saying. I feel that. like yeah. that is. I don't. I don't think we could have a better way to wrap up the conversation and to make sure we don't go into too much overtime. See what I did there? I into did. This conversation. Uh, <laughs> we have a really fun ending portion, and we didn't really prep you for it, but we love to talk about. Like, <laughs> we didn't. I love surprises. Favorite monsters. So like. It can be something you think is like, you know, terrifying or something you think is really amazing and beautiful or whatever, but something that is monstrous. Yeah. Then, yeah. We're just curious what our guests think about that, you know, and it, it could be like, you know, it's easy to think of like the quintessential, like big, scary monster, but it could also just be like something that's unassuming as well. <laughs> I mean, it could be a Pikachu. It could be yeah. <laughs> just something creaturely. I'm going to tell you the first thing that came to my mind. I want to think of something that's like poetic and mythical and cool, but I've also only had one cup of coffee today. So my brain's not there yet. <laughs> I want to tell you the first thing that came to my mind and it was crumb from the Nickelodeon show. Ah, real monsters. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know that. Okay. Tell me about this. I don't know about it. Crumb is this amazing. I think that was his name. Crumb uh, was like this little naked, uh, he was naked like this little <laughs> elf type character i don't even know how to describe him but basically he yeah. his eyeballs he holds them in his hands and his eyeballs he holds them up and he has these like four scraggly strands oh, of hair that stick out he's like oh he's <laughs> an ogre amazing. that was the word i was looking for he's like this little ogre character <laughs> and i just thought he was the funniest character on that show it's a, it's a really imaginative fun show but that was the first thing that popped into mind because he's kind of gross he's a little bit funny um and just it just made me laugh so what, what did crumb do what was his thing i mean i <laughs> honestly don't even know i think he's weird and stunk just just a weird <laughs> vibe yeah so i'm looking him That's up awesome. it's k-r-u-m-m -M. i remember this dude so he has the pan's labyrinth like uh uh, okay. You know, eyes, eyes in yeah. the hands. He's holding his mm -hmm. eyeballs. He has this creepy Joker smile. Yeah, exactly as Laura described. Armpit hair, hairy. But kind of cute. But kind of cute. Yeah, he's like gross but <laughs> endearing and cute. Yeah, I like that. I enjoy Crumb. That was a good answer. I, I think it's, it's always, awesome. in terms of monsters, you know, we're, we're ending with like understand it and learn to love it that mm -hmm. you, know, mm -hmm. it, you can see it for what it is you can say yep. okay i recognize overtime is something that i just under that i just want to be recognized and i want to feel yeah. like a valuable part of of this yeah. team and here's my specific way of, of doing that and you know for crumb he just walked around all he had to do 
was walk around naked with his eyeballs in his hands. <laughs> that was enough. That was enough. That was That's enough. how he knew it was enough. <laughs> He's an inspiration to my person. Now, I, now I want to rewatch the show. I know, right? I'm super I curious. I think I'm going to have to take out my eyes and just walk around and <laughs> just imagine going to the store. Hey, guys. Oh, God, Brian. <laughs> what was there was also like a little snake lady character. There were three God, real. Mo OK, so right? there were like three main character monsters and they all were just really like silly and cute. <laughs> Yeah, there was, okay. Oh yeah, weird. Oh my God, yeah. The weird, like, black and white worm she's thing. Like a, yeah, she's like a little snake, almost like a umbrella cane she looks She like. looks like Beetlejuice <laughs> and a snake. Gotcha, okay. Had a baby, or a worm, <laughs> worm and Beetlejuice. <laughs> well, how, how about you, Brian? Is there any recent monsters that you've yeah, been stoked on? Yeah, but it's on? like so... I'm almost embarrassed, but I'm going to say it. It can't get I any should, embarrassing I, than mine. No, I'm not going to be embarrassed. <laughs> I need to own it. So I've been um, really, really playing this game series called Final Fantasy. And it's basically um, classical European fantasy by way of Japanese anime. And it's this video game series. It's been around for a long time. And so they have lots of lots of creatures and um, one of them, they're all based on creatures from uh, religious mythology. So the one that I've been vibing with a lot is this homeboy named, I'm probably mispronouncing this, Bahamut, who is a, I think he's a demon in mythology, but in this he's a dragon. Mm. With a, This is from Final Fantasy X, and he has a, a wheel that just floats above him and he's like gilded he's what he's does this a, wheel do it shoots out energy it's just like it's just, it's just oh, the wheel turns sense. yeah and he's just it's so weird he's like all gilded and like a dragon but then he just cool. has this weird spinning wheel it's great so i've just been thinking <laughs> of him and i'm just like bombs bombs for short bahamut no that doesn't work anyways <laughs> um John, how about you? Um, I would have to say Bigfoot has been on my mind oh, a lot. Oh, you should visit me in Santa Cruz. Yeah, I, I want to go to that. There's a museum, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah, I've never been it's to great. it. It's Grew up in San Jose, awesome. but never been to Santa Ooh. Cruz. Yeah, Tell a friend of mine. about Bigfoot. Why has Bigfoot been on your mind and in your heart? Yeah, a, fr a friend of mine uh, is super into Bigfoot lore and is like, Bigfoot's out there. There's tons of proof. Oh, I love And I was this. like, you know what? I'm going to go down this rabbit hole for a while because yes. I never have. And I was like, show me some videos. Show me, oh, yes. show me this proof. And he started showing me some videos. And working in like the motion graphics video industry, I'm like, okay, there's always a, always a way to do this. But I kept watching this video he sent and I'm like, I, I can't help but think you like, have you to know send what? me this video, John. I want to believe that the shirt <laughs> is real. I want to, to believe it, and I'm so intrigued now. And while we were talking, like while the two of you were talking about this, I was remembering, oh yeah, Bigfoot. That's probably the. And then I realized Bigfoot is a good monster to represent overtime because it's it's mythical. It's like this big giant hairy thing. 
but like, is it real? Like, is it a real thing that we need to like, I'm out by five every day. Y'all, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I want to believe overtime's a good thing, but I don't know. I don't know about that. (laughs) I want to, I want, okay. Oh, I so can't go down this vortex with you right now. Not when we're about to end there. I, I, mm -mm. okay, Brian. I so bad. We'll do it in the we intro. Can, yeah, we'll okay. We can, we can intro. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll Wait, hold on. I thought of one more. <laughs> yes, more please. That I don't I don't want to forget because it is it is truly, I think, in my heart of hearts, like one of my favorite mm-hmm. monsters. And it's it is the abominable snowman, specifically oh, yes. though, from such a good one. Monsters Inc. when they get exiled and they have to like nice. they they send um it's when Sully and Mike have like they get exiled from the, the monster mm-hmm. world and he's mm-hmm. like He's got a fire in his cave. He's like, who wants snow cones? (laughs) I love that. I think that of all time is like my favorite, favorite monster. He's just so delightful. I love it. That's awesome. I I looked him him up. It's been years since I've seen Monsters, Inc. And the, the, the question that's most asked, and I just think it's funny. Why was a why was Abominable Snowman banned in Monsters Inc.? And it makes it sound like I'm sure there's like a plot reason, but it makes it sound like he was banned from the Disney property. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. What did he do? Like, Can't come what on set he, anymore. Like, what did he do? Like, we had to stop using him after what he did. Uh, oh yeah, it is like a. It's a. He. It's a thing that happened plot wise. He didn't have a permit to sell those snow cones on Disney properties. Right. God, so yeah. Out yeah. of here. God. <laughs> they weren't up to um, code. Cone code. Oh, God. That's so funny. <laughs> All right. Well, Laura, thank you for joining us on this Sunday. Thank you and... for having me. This has been really delightful. And yeah. there are so many other topics that I'm like, oh, we could just dig into that I next know. time we go into this. We'll, so yeah. we'll have to have you on again for yes. sure. I'll, I'll start a spin off and we can have all those. But please thank you do. So much. This I has would, been yeah. really great. I know. Thank I you. just want to talk to you about biophilic design. Ugh. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Well, how about you have us on your podcast called The Great Indoors, and then we'll talk about yes. biophilic design. Great. Yes, we will go do. there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much both. This has been, it's been really fun. Yay! Thank you. Thanks for everyone, joining. To everyone listening, don't work too hard. Don't work too hard. It's not work. Don't, don't do it. It's a myth. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. And bye.